0: In case you missed it, on Newsbreak.
1: Compared to 22% in the last election, the ANC margin in Gauteng is now so thin at 50,2% that there's little room for mismanagement and corruption in Gauteng, or indeed other provinces or by ANC individuals that could cause reputational damage in Gauteng. It is a pressure point for the ANC in general. In KZN, the ANC's share of the vote dropped by 10%. From 64% to 54%. The IFP reclaimed lost ground to the NFP garnering enough support to replace the DA as the official opposition in the province. Behind the DA in the fourth position is the EFF with just under 10%. The ANC government in KZN will now face more opposition from parties to its right than its, than to its left. The party's dismal performance is likely to weaken the Zuma faction in KZN and further diminish the ex-president's position. The decline in ANC votes in KZN was repeated in other Zuma-supporting provinces of the Free State, Northwest, and Mpumalanga. The decline shifts the balance of power in the ANC further to the other five provinces which are strong Ramaphosa supporters. The Ramaphosa provinces contributed nearly 60% of the total ANC vote. Of course, the internal ANC balance of power is determined by branches and membership, which you mentioned earlier, and not by votes in the national elections. But the party cannot divorce itself from the electoral reality out there, as both Ramaphosa's election in 2017 and this election amply illustrate. These factors constitute a good, court, good base for Cyril Ramaphosa. They certainly deprive the Ace Magashule faction of room to try and dump him, as the rumour would have it. All the other things being equal, health, physical protection and a reasonable economy, Ramaphosa is set to serve as president for 10 years. It gives the country time to reset and get back on course, generating economic growth faster than population growth, jobs, better management and stronger social cohesion. This election has finally put the Zuma years behind us. This does not mean that the Magashule faction will simply lie down and die, but they dare not threaten the renewal of the ANC and its reconnection with the voters. The balance of forces has shifted fundamentally in Ramaphosa's favor. In my opinion, this is a time for reflection for all these parties and serves as a wake-up call for all politicians. The ANC will have to look at governance and building a more capable state. As much of voters, many voters appreciate what there has been done, they want to see better delivery and management. The party will also have to reconnect with the voters. The impunity and arrogance of the last few years is a proven recipe for how not to win support. Personally, I find Ramaphosa's honesty quite refreshing. In his victory speech outside Lutuli House, he apologetically stated, we have learnt our lesson, we have heard the people of South Africa, we have heard the very clear message of what they expect from us. They were saying, President, we want jobs. That is what we are going to do. We are going to work hard to create jobs for our people
2: a very intense analysis there and I think it really sets the tone for the conversation. We'll leave it there with you and we'll refer to it as we continue to take our broadcast further with you on that. So I think that you got outlined quite well then where the um, election, the, the climate it found itself in and I think the outcomes after it. Let's put it forward very, very quickly now to our panel m- our members here and I think, you know, just to remind you we're focusing on a post-election dialogue as to what happens now. Uh, that's the I think the most simple way to take it forward and, and, and Mr. Narensing, I want to I want to begin with you on that point specifically um, because I think, in a KwaZulu-Natal perspective, the IFP, uh, you know, many refer to it as. uh, got back lost gains, when you refer to it as a coming, ret- returning to home of, of um, support for the, for the IFP. We'll put it into context as I think Mr. Brandhu outlined there for us. Um, you know, in 2014, 10% of the KwaZulu Natal vote, 16.3% in, in um, this election. Um, you've got the votes, and I think the elected wants to know well, what happens now? What are you going to do to ensure that the lives of those in KwaZulu Natal specifically are changed?
3: Thank you, Therese, and thank you for that uh, analysis. We haven't done a thorough analysis as Deroad has done (laughs) as yet. (laughs) We're coming to that. Uh, But uh, certainly as the IFP, we are buoyed by the upward trajectory. Uh, As many of your listeners know and and, and the audience know, in 2014, it was a valley period for the IFP when we had the breakaway. Uh, but since 2014, we've been able to recover remarkably. In 2016, from controlling two municipalities, we're in charge of 13 municipalities, and we've even increased on the 2016 results here in 2019. Uh, what it says, as Nirodeth said, the, the, the public of KwaZulu-Natal, and nationally, by the way, we increased our seats nationally, uh, have given us a fresh mandate mm-hmm. to be the opposition in KwaZulu-Natal to keep the ruling party on their toes, and, and, and they must watch it. Uh, because you know we, we are going to be very aggressive in terms of uh, calling for accountability in ensuring that you know service delivery is, some, you know, is the mantra of the day, because that hasn't been what has been happening, even in Kauteng, You know our one member is the kingmaker. Uh, without our one member in Kauteng, the ANC will find themselves in a lot of trouble. So as a ruling party, I think they've <laughs> they've got more problems than all of us. Yeah. We we're moving upwards. We're just going to ensure that we just keep. Uh, keep our portfolio committees, keep our leader of the official opposition in Brazil Natal on track and we as members of national parliament have really got to do our job to hold this new cabinet and the president accountable for yeah, yeah. action or inaction.
2: I mean, I can't. I, 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 I can't um, I, I, uh, stop at this particular point, and, uh, and I have to ask this question to Mr. Hani Hussein, specifically from the DA. You know, um, an almost two percent drop nationally for the Democratic Alliance, and of course, no longer the official opposition in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, and that must be, you know, something that the DA is reflecting on right now. Could you talk to me about that thought process?
4: Um, absolutely. I mean, it's something that we are reflecting on, and. Um, um at a national level we are conducting a review trying to understand what is it that we did that did not work as well as it should have. Trying to understand uh, uh, our role in the in the political landscape a bit better um, and also learn from those mistakes. So at a national level we've dropped, uh, fortunately in KZN we've grown. Uh, we've lost the uh, official opposition position but uh, we've increased the number of seats from the 2014 elections so it's not all negative for us yeah. in KZN. I think we've done some, some good work in KZN, but at a national level, yeah. we have to reflect yeah. on
2: you know, what it takes. You uh, know, 470,000
1: less votes than it did in 2014. Where and did those 470,000 go? 250,000 went to the Freedom Front Plus, and arguably another 73,000 went to the Patricia De Lille's Good Party.
4: Hmm.
1: So wha- what, what's your take on... And some of the DA voters voted for Cyril. Hmm. Is that, is that your sense as well, that the, you're lost to all these, uh, parties, the 470,000 missing votes?
4: Look, there were, there were, I think, more than two dozen parties around. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult for me to tell you where those 470,000 people went. Mm. I, don't, I don't know all of them. Yeah, um, I try hard to get to know them. Though. Um, but clearly, the fact that we didn't get that 470,000, they went some way. And for us, the important thing is what do we do to actually grow beyond the 470,000? Our focus is not just about a specific number, it's always about us growing to the extent where we can get to a situation in South Africa where we don't have a one-party dominance in the country because that's not good for democracy. And that's what our long-term vision is. It's not about counting the little, you know, the number of beans moving from place to place. And I think that uh, in time we'll be able to uh, uh, do the assessment, do the review and You know, I put a message not too long ago on Facebook and I said, there's something about the DA that you know, you need to know. When we lose five rand, we'll invest ten rand to get it back. Well, you just
1: lost 22%. 2% 2% of your vote from 2014, talk from 22 to 20. Talk to me in 2021, I promise you you're yeah. going yeah. to... Yeah. You know, on it, that
2: yeah. note, Mr. Fusen, the reason why I asked that question about that drop in your percentage was uh, taking it back to the build-up to election, where um, what was the general sense a very strong one and a, uh, and a harsh rebuke of the Democratic Alliance nationally, and I think since we're talking within the queso context, was that um, we took a chance on the Democratic Alliance, we gave the Democratic Alliance it's, uh, um, it's due. We allowed them to consolidate and enter areas that they were, weren't really, they ha- didn't really have a stronghold in previously, and we weren't happy with service delivery. It went back to square one with the lack of service delivery. Mm-hmm. So, having t- taking that narrative into account, it almost showed you the same in kwazulu tell with you not no longer being the official opposition. Going forward, then, it shows that democracy is strengthening because people are using their power at the ballot box to keep their political parties in check. Mm-hmm.
4: I think that the analysis that Nirod had done earlier is, is a fabulous one. You know, when he talks about political parties got punished but not to the extent where it completely destroyed them. I think it's a very good message for all of us, for DRI in particular. Um, and we mustn't be arrogant about that. We must accept the fact that there are voters, that voters are getting smarter. Um, people are able to communicate much better today than they used to ten years ago. Um, uh, social media is becoming uh, more accessible to more and more of our voters and they could be able to share what the general feelings are in the country. And so we must accept the fact that in areas where we didn't do too well, we must, we must work harder uh, in order for us to be able to satisfy those voters. Yeah. If we're going to become arrogant about um, we still think that we're, we're, we're doing a good job and the voters are sending us a message that we don't see, then that's going to be the end of us. So, we're very really committed to making sure that we analyze, um, uh, we haven't gotten there yet, we're busy with it, um, exactly what the reasons were for in areas we didn't get the kind of support that yeah. we want, And we must, do a, we must work out it to yeah. be able to get the Mr.
2: job done. Mr. I do. I mean, I think a, a similar story though, different. I mean, you did emerge as the overall winner. there. <coughs> you did emerge as the overall national winner. Still very much in control of the province despite a 10%, almost 10% drop in your um, support there. Um, and again, the same question then from Mr. Hussein. It's, it, it's It seems as if a lesson is being taught to the ANC and it was a very harsh lesson taught in 2016, carried over now through 2019. Um, having said that, while you have a win, you've got to question the quality of the win.
5: Well certainly, we would, uh, we would have been very happy with a 60% plus vote. And, but I think that the, the scenario has been set. We are on a path of renewal. We are ushering in a new era, politically speaking. And we're confident that uh, come the next election, we're certainly going to recover fully, uh, restore the ANC to its former glory of being a a truly majority party, um, given the (coughs) developmental challenges we face in our young democracy. Now I'm very happy with some of the things that have happened in the last week, uh, when the Premier of the Northern uh, Cape, Premier Sol says, no more blue lights, no more new cars, no more new houses, you're putting money into ambulances, you're putting money into people's housing, is indicative of a changing mood. And I think that we're going to see more of this. You're going to see a whole new era of politics in South Africa. In fact, I think the opposition is going to have very little work to do, uh, very few issues to raise, and uh, we certainly will, will recover fully. Yeah. N-
2: Niro, the- are you are you convinced? Because you've got this the, this message coming through from an ANC who's got a dwindling support level, um, you know, albeit small ones, but it's still showing a, a drop in support. Um, and they say we're working on renewal, we are working on uh, unifying the party. We have procedures in place, but then, you know, there are comments like Mr. Fikile Mbalula versus Ace Magashulea was made in Pretoria um, on the election floor. Your thoughts on if the ANC is actually working to get their house in order to ensure that they don't continue this kind of electoral drop in support?
1: You know, I think the, it was Thabo Mbeki who coined the, the three evils facing South Africa, that of poverty, inequality and unemployment. Mr. Naidu will bear me out. That was the mantra of the ANC. But then in comes Zuma, and he added corruption and poor service delivery to the three evils. And I think the ANC has a lot of work to do to weed out that corruption and get that service delivery right, because they are the majority party, and a lot of these protests are taking place in their wards and their strongholds. And as has been seen in Durban, they often turn a blind eye to it. When the municipal workers ran a mock in the center of town. Uh, instead, they went and paid them for their striking time. So I, they need to show uh, that they mean what they say. And I'm, I'm not getting that sense right yeah. now yeah. from the ANC. Yeah,
2: because that's going to have a major impact on the confidence levels, uh, I think, going forward. But, uh, but Mr. Madokwe from the ACM and I mean, uh, this is what politicians are putting forward here. You know, they talk about, yes, we understand that we may not have performed so well. We understand that we did perform well and this is owed to clean governance. This is owed to the fact that we're on the ground wanting to serve. I mean, this is basically the reasons why these particular three parties have had the run they've had um, in the election. and, and shifting away from the politics of it now, the dynamic of it, the seats of it, the numbers of it, ultimately you have a cabinet in place, you have a provincial legislature in place. If any South African is unhappy with what these politicians are doing, what can they do about it?
6: Yeah, Teresh, thank you very much, and the viewers. I, I want to say as active citizens movement, we, we support the view that say we uh, respect the, the The will of the people. When the people have spoken, we 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 support that view, that that uh, that will of the people. But what we need to remind political parties is that the time for blind loyalty is over, and the time for uh, the voters for for in this century are most matter. They are not like the ones of 1994, where they can see what is right and what is wrong. What is happening now? We're coming from the culture of impunity and the culture of uh, corruption and and, and the culture of uh, unaccountability. So uh, what we we, we want as citizens, as civil society, is people who account to the citizens. I think it's about time now that we change the electoral system. If you look at the issue of Teguini, I can hear now the ANC is talking about renewal and all that. But Teguini issue is, 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 is talking another story, where someone is staying to power, where this person who's staying in power uh, is implicated in corruption, and this is a serious offense, and the whole world can see that this person must be set, put aside so that the right person can take over and run the municipality. Uh, we as taxpayers are, are not secured there because our monies are, are not safe, and the people who are, who, who are, who are whistleblowers Life at stake there, so it is about time that all political parties catch a wake-up call. And uh, I think there's a, repre- there's a representation that is going to be made in Parliament soon, where there's a talk of changing the electoral system. We, as active citizen movement and other civic organisations, are going to go to Parliament and. Yeah advocate for that because because political parties now are more powerful than the citizens right. and they are not accountable to, accountable to the citizens. We're going to go
2: to audience members now so you can prepare your questions and raise your hand and we'll facilitate um, your proce- your participation in this process and you can hold these politicians to account and talk to us specifically about how do you keep your link with democracy strengthened and how do you raise it as you need to to ensure that it is strengthened. While we get ready for that Niro, two points I want to raise with you here. Um, the the one about um, action, right, everybody has it on paper and everybody delivers a great little soundbite about it as to what they're going to be doing, as to how renewal is working, as to how clampdown of corruption, how to change in system is working. Um, but what is signed into action is something that often um, is, is different. Your thoughts on that? Citing the example that uh, Ben Madoque raised about um, you know, I, I think you have politicians talking about, well, we want to cut out underperforming members. Any member who has any sort of um, allegation or irregularity against them, we are going to be dealing with that effectively, but then not. So let's talk about action.
1: Well, I, I think uh, President Ramaphosa had compromised himself in certain degrees in, the, in his cabinet appointments. Um, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that uh, the rotten eggs in the ANC, the 22 that were raised by the Integrity Commission, would be brought to book and be removed in the near future. What I'm disenchanted with is the fact that we have a forensic report and a judicial report on the VBS scandal and yet we don't have any prosecutions. So there's all these commissions of inquiry going on but very seldom do we see any results and, and I'm hoping that that mood would change uh, with Cyril Ramaphosa being given this refreshed mandate and that he takes action. I'm optimistic, mm. although I, I, I think that more could be done. Yeah,
2: well we are, I know mean, our politicians want to respond to that and we are going to go to them. But when we come back, we go to our audience members here, where we are going to give South Africans an opportunity to... Hold those that they've elected into office to account. It's Newsbreak Talk, a special edition here with me, It's half past one when we come back to our audience members here at the 1860 Heritage Center.
7: While other banks claim innovation, here's some food for thought. Dinner out for two. ABSA gives you up to 100 Rand off your second meal once every day. The ABSA Gold Value Bundle. That's Africanacity. TNC apply. ABSA is an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. Faith Jenkins has gone from Louisiana beauty queen to work as a tough New York City prosecutor. Now she's the judge in her own courtroom, ruling on small claims cases from landlord-tenant disputes to social media scuffles. Join us weekday afternoons at 2 p.m. for The Judge Faith Show, only on SABC 3.
0: The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM.
2: The Heritage Centre in Derby Street here is hosting a post-election dialogue, and Newsbreak is assisting them and facilitating it. It's a amalgamation of political parties, civil society, and I think even the public broadcaster wanting to entrench and strengthen processes of democracy. So that's what we're doing this afternoon. We're going to go to our audience member now. Say your name.
8: Mm -hmm. Uh, My uh, my statement here this afternoon is President Cyril Ramaphosa talks about the new dawn. Now, while talking about the new dawn, we have the election of Praveen Gordon to a cabinet and there's a question mark hanging over him as far as the public protector goes. We also have provincially Peggy Nkonyeni who also has a question mark hanging over her, obviously uh, with the NPA Mary Charger there. And coming to the, top, the topic of the day is the mayor of Tekweni, Zandila Gumete. I mean, it couldn't take Cyril Ramaphosa weeks and weeks after she has been charged for money laundering, fraud, corruption, and wait for a report while the city is burning. We
2: we really question the new dawn of Cyril Ramaphosa. Okay, wonderful point there. Thank you so much, Mr. Ayer. We appreciate it. Uh, next audience member, right here at the front.
5: Uh, my oh, name there, is Jerem Reddy. I'm one of the conveners of the History Society based at the 1860 Heritage Centre. My question is directed to Logi Naidu and the ANC. Uh, Mr. Naidu, I think you would agree that the question of accountability is very central to our democratic dispensation. The fact that we don't have constituency representation undermines that accountability. We had, I think, during the Mbeki era, the Vansail Slabbert Report, uh, which suggested that we should have a mixed representation, you know, and then we would have accountability. I would like to know from you, what is the ANC going to do with regard to this type of accountability?
2: Thanks very much for the question. We appreciate it. Uh, next audience member now, sir, your name?
9: Uh, my name is Azad Sidet. I'm from Phoenix. And I'm also, also a member of the South African Communist Party. Mm-hmm. As you know, Phoenix is made up of working class and poor Indians. Unfortunately, the majority of Indians in Phoenix are not even registered as voters. So the parties that are actually representing the Indian community are not really representatives of the people. However, if you look at Phoenix, these parties that have been elected for the past 20-odd years, they have done absolutely nothing for the working class and poor of Phoenix. Their lives haven't changed one bit. All the recreational facilities that have been there in Phoenix have all now been turned into gated villages. The sports facility has crumbled. Everything. All the infrastructures basically been destroyed in Phoenix. And that is thanks to the parties that have been dominant, that have always been getting the votes in Phoenix. Sadly, from my observation, these councillors, who so-called represent Phoenix, they did the people of Phoenix dirty. Everyone in Phoenix that owns a car will tell you that they all had their tires bust on Kusani Drive. Those potholes have never been attended to for the past 10 years. Yeah, Mr Siddharth, just, just
2: taking into account what we're here to do in terms of asking civil society, well then how do you hold uh, democracy accountable, I'd love to put forward to you your thoughts on how Phoenix residents and citizens can hold those elected to do this kind of thing accountable. So
9: as you pointed out earlier on, you said that in predominantly ANC wards, there's a lot of service delivery protests. And going forward, the people of Phoenix also need to follow that example. We need to also make Phoenix ungovernable. Because those who are representing the people of Phoenix have taken us for rides. And they say that you can fool some people all the time, and all the people some of the time. But you can't fool all the people all the time. And if you look at Phoenix, for example, I mean the youth have nothing. And you can see what's happening in the news, teenage suicide and things. The reason is... These counselors have done nothing to provide the children because we are not, the majority of us in Phoenix don't have iPhones and Playstations, we we are not even part of the social media network, Mm. the Mm. majority of us. Mm. Just some listen, of the but, children in yeah. Phoenix haven't even come to town. They never right. even know what the beach looks like.
2: we we'll leave it there with you, Mr. Siddharth, we appreciate those points to raise. Uh, do we have another audience member at this stage? No, no one else at this stage, and I think interesting fodder for us to dissect there at the beginning, and I think some, some tangible issues um, raised, I think three very important ones. I think mm-hmm. it's something that uh, we'd be quite interested to dissect. I think the first one comes through, and I think um, I'm going to put it through there to, I'm going to start off with Mr. Login on this and then we're going to extend to the rest of the panel because I think it's an interesting um, issue to debate and of course we had there Mr. Prem Iyer talking about uh, the Public Protector Report, um, you know, uh, singling out uh, Minister Pravin Gordhan at this stage. Uh, previously there have been allegations against the likes of Peggy Nkonyeni, of course, as was raised, Iterkwini Meyaz and um you know, even appeared uh, um, in, 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 in uh, court for it, out in bail, et cetera. So a lot of allegations, a lot of reports, substantive evidence, strong allegations against these politicians, yet they in office. And that then gives the electorate to question, well, how serious is um, the ruling ANC in stamping out corruption or uh, addressing mismanagement and maladministration when they continue to have politicians in office. How do you respond to that?
5: Well, I think, you know, that the the first thing is that there are processes on the way, um, underway at the moment. And a good example is, at a national level, the Integrity Committee has dealt with a number of individuals, some of whom are no more in government as such. So for me, it's an unwinding process. It's not matters that have been swept under the carpet. They're being dealt with. The issue of the provincial uh, individuals or someone from the municipality is being dealt by the ANC KZN and certainly they will pronounce their position on these matters
2: in, in time. You don't think it's tarnishing the image of the ANC as a movement committed to stopping, door stopping any form of irregularity which is what your party has been bogged by in recent times?
5: Well obviously if you're on a part of renewal, if you want to be in the new era, you want to clean up your house, these things have a negative impact. So certainly we take cognizance of that and it's for that precise reason that we're going to act as the ANC on these matters.
2: Yeah, but the timing needs to be questioned as to when.
5: Well you know, people are always impatient. And I've said to many audience, the President has appointed some key people to key positions, like Shamila Batoy in the National uh, NPA, or we have uh, the lady, Madam Fendroin, um, that's been appointed. And I think they're going to do their work. So we've got to be a little patient that they certainly going to. Make sure they have a solid case, that when they go to court or when they prosecute, these are going to be winnable cases.
2: At the corner of my eye, I see you shaking your head, Mr Narensing, and you say that Integrity Commission has not yielded the correct result. Absolutely, Teresa.
3: I think the integrity of the Integrity Commission needs to be brought into question, yeah. Because, you know, if you see see what that Integrity Commission has been trying to do, I mean, they've been mentioned some time ago. You know, we talk about President Ramaphosa and the new dawn. He doesn't have a magic wand. The the, the success of President Ramaphosa is going to be measured largely by internal dynamics within the ANC. And looking at the cabinet that he has appointed, you know, some of those appointments leave a lot to be desired. You know, Mr. Sidat said you can fool some of the people some of the time, you can't fool all the people all of the time. We speak here as if this 2019 election was an event and we're looking post-event what happened. An election is part of a process. A process of political parties going out to the electorate to get a mandate. The ANC have been in power for the last 25 years. They didn't come about in 2019. So now, why do you talk about this new dawn and new uh, direction and new trajectories, etc.? You should have done a number of these things over the past 25 years. Look at the Indian government that were appointed. Exciting, you know. They hit the ground running. Yesterday, Prime Minister Modi made some announcements on helping farmers, on helping uh, students with bursaries. It's not as if, you know, we're going to go and have a workshop. Uh, Professor, you spoke earlier about a task force. You know, I've heard so much about task force in government. I'm sick and tired of task force. Every time government wants to do something, instead of aiming and firing at the target, before we fire, we'll say, no, let's go and have a workshop. You Let's know. go and sit somewhere for two weeks right. and have a workshop. <laughs> By that time, the target has disappeared. And, and We've Mr. got to be Sting, serious about governance. You've got in to be serious country.
2: about governance, and I think opposition parties then need to raise this and constantly, you know, um, hold them to account uh, and, and, and remind, uh, you know, I think the ruling, the majority there, uh, at the National Assembly. How do you do it, though, when you look at the numbers, and, 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 and this is, c- comes back to what uh, you know, Professor Reddy had asked, and we are going to dissect that, but how do you then do it with the amount of support you have in the National Assembly to hold that ANC to account and say, listen, act on the integrity?
3: You see, Ben made a very, very important point earlier on, and I must agree with him fully, about blind loyalty and blind faith. You know, when we go there as members of parliament elected by the citizenry of the country, we go there to hold government to account. We go there as members of parliament. But what happens with the majority party? Let's look at the Nkandla case. We as opposition appealed to members of that majority party in the committee. Please get President Zuma to acknowledge that he will pay 50 rand, because there has been some benefit that he has attained personally. They flatly refused until they had to agree eventually and they removed him. But this blind loyalty, blind faith is not going to take this country forward. You see the state is made up of three arms. It's made up of the judiciary and I'm glad Judge Navi Pillay is here. The judiciary, the executive and parliament. Parliament is not holding the executive fully accountable because many members in the majority party just have blind faith blind loyalty, they succumb to those ministers and there's no questions. And when we want to ask questions, then they, but fortunately we have civil society, you know, uh, equal education and other organizations, we have the constitutional court, that have been pronouncing on a number of issues and sometimes I feel it's the chapter 9 institutions that are exerting more influence on what happens (laughs) in government than us, but we will continue to fight this fight on behalf of the residents of South
2: Africa. Your thoughts, Mr. Hanif Hussain I think specifically, I think, I think um, away from this issue to what Professor Jayram Reddy had issued um, about the, you know, the lack of constant constituency representation and how this is hurting that process of democracy. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, as, as the
4: DA, we've made our position very clear on it and that we support that, that there, there should be a mixed system. It shouldn't be a case of uh, one or the other. It should be a, a, where people elect uh, directly their representatives as well as proportional representation. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to get into a situation where even minority groups will not be able to have representation in Parliament and that's even more dangerous. So we have to be careful about that. But we, we do support the view that there should be more accountability um, through ch- the change of, of the current system that we've got. But i tell you, Suresh, what's important here, and we're getting to that point, is not so much the system, but it's how much accountable the voters hold its politicians. And it's during these type of discussions, for example, be it at a national radio station or in the community, that people must participate and get involved yeah. and hold their public representatives accountable. I want to
2: come back to that point, but let's take it to Mr. Uh, Logi because I know Mr. Professor Reddy had asked specifically your thoughts on that. Um, is, is the ruling party looking into that because there was discussion that there were and, and one needs to you know, understand how they're going to be driving a particular process like this because it really seeks to entrench democracy which is you know, fundamental for your organization.
5: Well, you know, my mind goes back to 1994, 1996, or even during the constitutional talks. The negotiations centred around many of these issues, and we have to take into account some of the harsh realities, and I think the issue of constituency-based representation is an important one, where you have direct election. But you've got to take into account the dynamics of South Africa we've come from a history of racial segregation. We have segregated communities, we have uh, um, so much of division as such. And that was the reason why even in the local government elections, as a compromise, we went for the so-called A and B awards, leading eventually to the creation of democratic local government. Um, And it's the mix of uh, proportional representation and directly elected representatives to bring about uh, a balance and a fair reflection of communities. But is there
2: a commitment to try and get a process like that going but in if, South Africa?
5: But of course, if you take the provincial and uh, national elections, it's really there you, you're voting for a list, a proportional list for the political party of your choice. So, um, I think that it's still early days, the matter is being debated. But over a period of time, with evolution and as our democracy matures, we certainly will have a situation of direct representation.
2: Mr. Madokwe and Mr. Bramdio, I I, want to direct this onto your section of the conversation here. Um, What what, um, Azad Siddharth mentioned about, uh, and he he isolated Phoenix there and constantly voting, asking for change, I think even looking at new um, types of ward councillors that's really been the trajectory that Phoenix as uh, a space has has undergone no joy, though, and what he's saying is that he'd like community to mobilize. Ben, your thoughts on that because I know active citizenry has has previously held a lot of protests and and even a lot of diplomatic um, occupancy, if one could call it that. Your thoughts on uh, Azad's suggestion that Phoenix should be made ungovernable to get politicians to listen and effect change there.
6: Yeah, thank you Tarash. But what I want support is the active citizens citizen movement is to make uh, a chaos and uh, riot in the area. Yeah. What we need to do is make sure that as citizens, we make those in power to account. And by doing so is to make sure that uh, we demand what is ours as citizens. But you see, Teresh, we're always going to have challenges if we are not going to go deep down and address this issue of our electoral system. Because it's the one that makes us to make people accountable. Because the problem we have is that if you are voted by your political party, you are accountable to your political party. That's why we have a situation in Ertegwini now, that you cannot remove somebody until the party is convinced that that person must be removed. So I think it's about time that political parties in national and provincial uh, government uh, agree that uh, the the, the mixed system must be in place moving forward so that we make sure that people are directly elected because the people who are not directly elected they will do as they please, as w- you know now. And also, this thing of uh, uh, people to be directly elected will, to, will, will, will give us ethical leadership and will strengthen democracy. Yeah. Th- that's why we have these problems, because the p- political parties will come with their list and say, this person will be a councillor, because that person is loyal to his b- political mm. party. But mm. what I can advise the gentleman there is that they need to mobilize society and make sure that th- if the councillor is not delivering, there's ways of removing the councillor yeah, in this yeah. system where you can say we don't want this councillor, we want uh, by election because this councillor is not calling public meetings because the councillor must call monthly meetings yeah. in terms of law. If they want yeah. to do that, they can start that process now.
2: Thanks for that, Mr. Modoke. Okay. Mr. Bramdeo, your thoughts on that, on, on specifically the point before we talk about uh, constituency representation, to talk about... Um, issue of protest, issue of really making a space ungovernable to get the attention, before you tell me your thoughts on that, I want to offer to you that it's unfair even in 25 years of democracy to expect South Africans to go to that extent, to starve in order to get noticed. Yes, absolutely.
1: I think I agree wholeheartedly with Mr. Madokwe's analysis that the electoral system itself is flawed, fundamentally. In Durban, for instance, you have 100 ward councillors elected, and then you get another hundred of them appointed before because of proportional representation. It's doubling our budget, our expenditure on this is just to accommodate this flawed electoral system we've got a, a extra hundred councillors. It's, it's not workable. I think that's one of the things and then you can't hold anybody to account and I will uh, agree with the uh, IFP representative that when he tried with Kandla to go to get some justice there Zuma can very well put up his hand and say, "I'm here by virtue of the ANC, and go and shout all you want." Mm. He's not held personally accountable, as is Mayor Kumede. So I think that's the fundamental flaw in our system. And as uh, Mr. Madokwe says, we should, all the parties should agree to re-examine uh, the electoral system so that it's more uh, accountable to the electorate.
2: Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break and then go to another audience member. And as we wrap up to about 10 minutes of our broadcast now, um, I'd like to zero in our focus, our attention on um, issues of dealing with what you have, currently you have uh, Parliament in place, you have a case in a legislature or a provincial legislature in place. What do you do if you are unhappy about what they are doing? Let's try and zero in our efforts onto uh, finalising that point. But we're back after this, and we're going to go to audience members again. The clock is ticking
7: for the 94th edition of the comrades marathon. The greatest test of endurance for thousands of runners. 2019 brings you an uprun from the Durban City Hall, and the finish line is 12 hours later at the Scottsville Racecourse in Peter Maritzburg covering a distance of approximately 87 kilometers. Individual journeys are different, but the collective destination is the same. 2017 and 2018 back-to-back champion, Bongumu Samtenbu is on a mission for a record three titles in a row. He smiles, he waves, and he's done this twice before, back-to-back victories. Don't miss out on the ultimate human race, the Comrades Marathon, on Sunday the 9th of June at 5am on SABC 2. And report on your favourite SABC radio station, Sison Together we triumph. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport for the love of the game. SABC 3 brings you Harry every weekday afternoon at 5.30pm. Award winner Harry Connick Jr. is the host of this spontaneous entertainment show filled with music and laughter and features engaging celebrity interviews, live musical performances, audience participation and countless surprises. Bursting with wit and charm, Harry is wildly entertaining and always unpredictable. Diarize your appointment with Harry every weekday at 5.30pm only on SABC3.
2: Newsbreak talk. Three, uh, seven minutes left to wrap up our conversation on what happens after the election. We're going to go to our audience members very quickly, and then we wrap up on the point of how do we get it done with our politicians. Let's go to our next audience member. Hello there.
10: Thank you very much, Tiresh, and thank you also to I know you need no
2: introduction, but sir, could we have your name. All
10: right. I'm Les Governor. I just want to say that You know the point that Mr. Madokwe was making with regard to political parties that appoint people and then find it difficult to remove them. Now, we have a case in point even here in KZN where the Premier has appointed people that already have a cloud hanging over their head. You know, like the Deputy Speaker. Uh, He was was recently charged for murder, but now he's been appointed as a Deputy Speaker. Now, how do you appoint people like that and then you find yourself in a situation where you know there is a, there is an outcry and then you cannot you cannot remove that person easily so this is very very clearly you know a case of appointing people just to appease certain factions also you have a whole lot of commissions of inquiry that are that are taking place all the time costing the taxpayer millions but yet where are the outcomes of that uh, you know of those commissions yeah, of inquiry yeah. okay. so you know these are some of the things that lead to voter apathy, and that Absolutely. is why we saw a drop, a drop in the number of voters. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you. so
2: much for that next audience member. Uh,
0: thank you, Judge Navi Pillay.
2: Welcome to uh, the program, ma'am.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Teresh. Um, I've been asked to represent the judiciary. I'm retired, as you know. First, I want to congratulate the panel. Uh, because what has emerged today is they've honestly addressed the criticism coming from the floor, and most of the criticisms are also about the kind of individuals who've been put in government. Let's remind ourselves there was a very clear statement made by the Chief Justice uh, from the Constitutional Court on the kind of people who should be serving in Parliament. They should be on merit, they should be competent, and diligent and people with integrity. But we all know there's been a lot of horse trading going on, uh, and, and some of the pointees are, are really very surprising. Uh, we are here to discuss accountability, and I like the point made by uh, MP Narayan Singh that Parliament should be playing a bigger role. You represent the people there, so Parliament like parliaments do all over the world, should behave as a representative of the people and not be so politically partisan. I heard uh, ANC, Logan Naidu speak about the rhetoric that the ANC uh, utters about gender equality and so on. So, firstly, I notice you are all men seated on that panel. None of you address the issue of violence against women. Poverty that that women experience the most. Uh, so what I'm saying, yeah, you have to deliver on the rhetoric. I've yeah. heard so many of you say you want to be in touch with the people. Yeah, how are you going to be doing that? I'd like to hear that yeah. answer.
2: Yeah, wonderful.
0: Uh, and and please settle your problems and don't burden the court uh, again and again with your political <laughs> disputes.
2: Oh, the judiciary has spoken. So much to talk about, gentlemen. Is there enough time? There never actually is. So I think let's wrap it up on 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 that very point there about, uh, you know, political partisan versus representing the people at Parliament. Ultimately, that is what you're there for as an elected MP by virtue of the oath you take, um, and the oath given to the, you know, to the president right down to the members of Parliament. So let's talk about that, and we'll go around the, uh, around the room, around the table about it. Um, you know, how does one then ensure it's, you know, it's, it's not political partisan, it's not horse trading, it's not um, factionism, but instead it's an actual representation of the people? Mr Singh.
3: Yeah, unfortunately,
2: Therese, we don't live in an ideal world. You know, the, the cabinet
3: might be a, a politically correct appointment in terms of gender, in terms of youth, in terms of camps, but certainly not in terms of meritocracy. Far from people being of merit, I know many of those people, and I don't want to mention the names, who are in the current cabinet. And, uh, I mean, their past participation leaves a lot to be desired. President Ramaphosa spoke about performance agreements as if it's something that emerged yesterday. I was an MEC for 10 years. I had to sign a performance agreement. I was evaluated by my premier on an annual basis. So that's something that's been going on for the last 25 years. But the important point is, do you act on the non-performance yeah. of these yeah. individuals. Yeah.
2: That's the thing. Let's move that on then to Mr. Hani Hussein from the DA, and in your closing remarks, to that particular point of, of accountability versus political partisan.
4: I think Judge that uh, makes an extremely important point. Um, accountability works two ways. The people must hold us accountable as politicians, and the more they do that, the better it would be for our society. And where our democracy fails is where people don't participate and don't get involved. And it is getting better though. Um, I must admit I think over a period of time we see more and more South Africans holding their politicians accountable because the day we get to a situation where a ruling party has no fear whatsoever for their their voters or for the citizens, that's the day when we're in trouble. So we need to get to that point where political parties are terrified of its citizens and that's the only time I think political parties Mm. will actually deliver and not put people who are supposed to be in jail, putting them into parliament.
2: Let's talk about that from the ANC, Mr. Logi Naidu, will elected government officials listen though? What is the commitment to listen? Because that is the process of democracy.
5: Well, firstly, let me apologise to Judge Navi. Noma Gugu Similane, our new <laughs> MEC for Health, was going to be here as the representative, but owing to matters of the province, she's not here, so I'm only a standing male they found to put here. <laughs> um, but I think that, the, the, firstly, the cabinet that President Ramaphosa has put in, uh, within the context of the different constituencies that he has to address, is a fairly balanced and a good one, and I, I'm confident that we're going to see a lot of action in South Africa. On the issue of accountability and I think you know in any democracy, but it must be obviously within the context of the ruling party, If the Labour Party is in power in in the UK, if the ANC is in power in South Africa, within the context of the party political processes or party policies, there must be the accountability in that the Parliament can hold members of the executive accountable for their actions and for implementation yeah. of policy.
2: Yeah. we we'll leave it there. And I think gentlemen, uh, Mr. Ben Modoki and Mr. Uh, uh, Niroth Bramdio to talk to us about as we wrap it up now. How then do you advise citizens to do this accountability, to keep at it, to keep it going?
6: What do citizens need to do? They need to continuously... Uh, uh, make politicians accountable. As uh, citizens, like as ACM, we have partnered with other civic organizations, we form a coalition of civil organizations. Yeah. We call ourselves a coalition of the poor. Among the organizations that are there is uh, Right to Know, uh, Asonet, Ubunyabama Hostel, and others, and other ratepayers. If you can recall, we marched to City Hall before the IFP march to demand the mayor to step down. So that is part of us. We need to be United in terms of making sure that uh, politicians are accountable because once we are not united, we won't be able to yeah. achieve what we want to achieve.
2: Yeah. We'll leave it with you, Mr. Modokwe. Mr. Nirod Bramdu, in your closing comments of this, you're talking about communities running together to hold politicians to account and for politicians to you know, have a conscience when they do their job. Your yeah. thoughts on that? i would come back to my opening
1: gambit that uh, I think we, it was a good election and we have a good president. Uh, I'm optimistic that he will weed out his rot and that he will push the reset button on South Africa and we'll get there. That's, that's my closing remarks. Yeah. I, I think it's work in progress and we're going to have to give him the space to do that.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. We thank you very much for your time, gentlemen, in the absence of the lady. We thank you very much for the time uh, for joining us today. We'll have to leave our broadcast here at Kemiway, courtesy of the team. Executive producer Selma Patel and Rachel Badi with assistance by Manik Thor. Back tomorrow, 1 to 2. And a very big gratitude to the 1860 Heritage Centre for inviting Newsbreak Talk to facilitate this conversation. From Meet hey, have an awesome day.
10: Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.